This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. I pressed all the buttons in the right order, and here we are. <laughs> Hello! It is the After Party live. I'll have a little sip of coffee. Get yeah, situated. Get all. I'm running a little late fun. today. I'm used to um, I'm used to the previous show running late. Oh, and uh, so I'm, I'm realizing I need to move move it along. You know, when you're filling in, just step it up. Yep. Yeah. Well, it happens. I had some tech problems today, so you know, tech tech problems. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. So we have the same computer that we use with the camera and everything, and for some reason the Firefox uh, tab would only show up minimized at the very bottom of the screen. And I clicked maximize, it wouldn't help. And neither would rebooting the computer. So I'm today I'm on Chrome. And it looks like I've in the past, I've had problems with the audio cutting in and out on Chrome. Yeah. So far, knock on wood, everything. I was going to ask you if you had rebooted your computer, but it sounds like you did. Yeah, I did. So I don't know. You might have to uh, reinstall Firefox. Yeah. Let's just do some tech support here. It's a possibility. Yeah, you might have to uninstall and reinstall. Let's talk about the um, dictionary.com's word of the year. And yeah. It. It's a weird one. But I think this is less controversial than the than Times person of the year. Yeah. This is hallucinate. Hallucinate what? is the word of the year. You may be thinking, what? Yeah. Why is You're that not imagining things. Yeah, the online reference site said in an announcement on Tuesday that this pick, this year's pick, refers to a specific definition of the term pertaining to artificial intelligence, of course, mm. to produce false information contrary to the intent of the user and present it as if true and factual. Uh, that's also known as Donald Trump, isn't it? That's not what hallucinate means, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to make things up. Like, it's not what you think is there is not there. So this is a specific de- definition. Oh, okay. Because normally it'd be to see or hear things that, you know, don't really exist. In other words, it's when chatbots and other AI tools confidently make stuff up, like Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> Grant Barrett, head of uh, Dictionary.com, told the told CNN this particular definition of hallucinate, hallucinate was added to the site earlier this year, though its use in computer science dates back to at least 1971. As staff at the online dictionary considers contenders for defining words of 2023, Barrett said it became clear that AI was increasingly changing our lives, working oh. its way into our language as well. That's really interesting. So there yeah. you go. Hallucinate. Computers what? hallucinating. I guess so. Oh, dude. We're all hallucinating. Oh, no. Yeah, we're on it. Let's we're all talk on a trip. This horsey that got trapped and had to be hoisted out of an old well in Indiana. Firefighters in Indiana came to the oh. rescue of this horse. Look at that. Oh, no. That's it's like the perfect horse trap. Sweet, very curious horse who escaped from her stall and fell through the cover of an old well. Down, down she went. That doesn't look they, very old. No. The, the emergency crews responded, and they found Eva, that's the name of this horse, trapped in this <laughs> well that's no longer in use. The scene you see here shows about Eva, the scene. Uh, being lifted with straps and hoisted out with heavy machinery. Oh. they got to pull her out with a crane basically um apart from a few scrapes and bruises she's expected to make a full recovery and she's doing very well there's no and, dignified way for a horse to go through that no right i'm just glad eva's okay what a bummer yeah 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 um 
we have this next this next story is about a bear you may have did you see this I think it was on the I news. I did, but I haven't seen the video, so I'm kind of excited. Okay, so a bear runs through... <laughs> sounds like a setup to a joke. Bear runs through a group of skiers at a California result, resort. A black bear ran through a group of skiers, and one man caught his near miss with the uh, Bruin on camera. This is a video that yeah. was posted to TikTok. It shows the bear appear from some trees alongside Ridge Run Trail at Heavenly in South Lake Tahoe. The bear dashes through the group, narrowly missing uh, a collision with this uh, TikTok user. And the TikTok user said that the bear reunited with its mother on the other side of the trail. Here is the video. It's about 13 seconds. Check this out. It came oh. really close to people, right? Yeah, he, yeah, that could have been a collision. A near miss, as they like to say. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, that bear was moving fast. I didn't know they could run that fast. That's crazy. Yeah, when they're motivated. Man. Well, let's go to this other animal story about this doggy who was struggling in eight-foot waves, which you don't... I mean, being from California, I wouldn't think there could be eight-foot waves on a lake, but it happened. Lake Superior, and I guess that's a normal situation. Firefighters in Minnesota, oh, they yeah. came to be aid of this dog that was in the very chilly waters and very rough waves of Lake Superior. The Duluth Fire Department said crews responded to reports of a pit bull who had broken free from his leash and jumped into the lake right near a, a lift bridge there. They, um, they went out, met with the owners of the dog who pointed out where the animal was, and the dog was seen struggling in these eight foot plus waves right in the middle of a shipping canal. So pretty dangerous area. They had to put on ice rescue suits to protect them from the cold water. And then they went out into the water to find this dog, but they had difficulty keeping track of it because of the limited light and the high waves. The dog is also dark in color. So that was a problem and it kept slipping below the surface so they were having trouble finding him finally the dog's Aww. owners used portable lights to help the uh, firefighters rescuers go find this dog and they were able to grab hold of his collar it was a large dog scared and struggling which added to the difficulty of this yeah, rescue terrified Finally, they got it aboard the uh, the 14-foot inflatable rescue boat and drove it back to the pier. Uh, the dog and the owners are now okay. The dog uh, was wagging his tail when last seen jumping into the owner's car. So, yeah, look at him out there struggling. No. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. Glad that came to a good end. Yeah, definitely. Um, this next story is about Christmas lights. Um, have you put up Christmas lights? Yeah. What's funny is I, I of my house. I put uh, Christmas lights up on my mom's house, and we're down to only one neighbor in the in the cul-de-sac that also has lights, which is okay. really funny because my mom is like Muslim and everyone else is Christian. <laughs> but she still does the Christmas lights. That's really sweet. Yeah, and so and I, I I send every year I send you like a video of like what it quick video like what it looks like in the neighborhood. There's like two yeah. people at the end of the street across the street at the end, you know, outside the cul-de-sac, right. and then there's one neighbor, but their lights go off early. Like if you're gonna have lights, like don't have it go off at eight o'clock or nine o'clock. That seems a little. What time do you think weird. is a good time for the lights to go off? I have it set to go for I think it's seven hours after sunset, but you can set it to like six hours. I feel like seven hours is a lot, but like um, 
they're mostly LED, so it's not like a lot of electricity. Yeah. You know, get in the spirit of things, right? That's what I think, too. Um, this New York family uh, has the Guinness World Record for the most lights on a residential property. They what? said this year's Christmas <laughs> display is their biggest ever, but not all neighbors are amused. Tim Gay mm -hmm. of Union Vale, whose family set, first set a record for the most lights on a residential property with 346,283 in 2012 before topping it with their 2014 display, said the latest version of the holiday lights display named for his children's initials, it's E-R-D-A-J-T, now sports 720,000, oh, Jesus Christ, 426. That, if they were here, their PG&E bill would be through the roof. Mm -hmm. Be lucky you're not here. The opulent Christmas displays are a tradition at the gay family, but some neighbors say they're tired of the bright lights and the long lines of cars and displays uh, that the, the display brings to the neighborhood. They've uh, A neighbor has announced plans to run for a seat on the town board due to officials failing to rein in the holiday tradition. It's essentially running a Legoland out on your property for 40 days, the neighbor told the New York Times. Uh, some nearby residents have complained of the crowds leaving their yards littered with discarded alcohol balls, uh, bottles, <laughs> trash, and even human uh, urine. Yeah. Uh, the fire district said that it's, they're concerned about the effect that uh, the traffic could have on emergency vehicles be able to you know, reach Mm -hmm. uh, certain areas if there was an urgent incident. Uh, there are no local uh, ordinances giving the town the power to stop the annual display. And uh, the guy who's doing it says, are you going to be the one to get rid of Santa? Uh, <laughs> he's not concerned with the criticisms. If you bring joy and happiness to 50,000 people and you have 10 or 20 that don't like you, I think it's a fair trade-off. Unless those 10, 20 people are all your neighbors. So are you saying there is a thing as too much holiday cheer? Yeah, so I'm going to play the video. It's going to go... Uh, a little less than a minute, like 48 seconds, and we're going to have to narrate it here. Um, now, there was Coldplay music blaring from, you can imagine, Coldplay music blaring from the display. And I've had enough coffee. I might try to re recreate that a little bit. Um, let's see, that might be a bad idea, but we'll have to turn on our mics and narrate this. Let's check this out. So you can see, that's a lot, right? That's a lot. Yeah. So in the background, there's just like, you know, Coldplay, like, do, 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 right? What? I thought I'd turn on the filter. I've had a lot of caffeine, okay? <laughs> just imagine that, but like much louder, and it's just blaring. Uh -huh. And like, that's coming at the neighbors, right? That's a lot. Wow. That is crazy with all that music and those lights. I mean, it's kind of fun in a way, but I could see living next door to it would be a challenge. For 40 days, that's a long time. Yeah. And I figured um, if the Coldplay uh, cover was bad enough that the algorithm wouldn't pick up on it, we wouldn't get in trouble in Demon. <laughs> I have to show you, this I thought was pretty big. This is right up the street from me. Wow. They have even every part of their lawn is covered with lights. There is not a portion of their home, their yard that isn't covered with lights. They have a sleigh in the front yard. This is right up the street from me. And it is when you drive over this hill, it is definitely, you know, your eyes go to this, this house. Yeah. Which it's, I mean, it's really beautiful. I think and yeah, there's then, a there's there's a house down the street um, on Eli that it's just like they packed every inch of the property with lights. I just it's just too much. Right across <laughs> the street, instead of decorating, the people have this sign. Oh, that's funny. It's, it says "Ditto what they did." 
Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's like the third year in a row they've done this, and it's pretty funny. So, uh, someone in the chat is asking where where where's that first display that we showed? It's it's in um it's in uh, New York, so it's mm -hmm. it's north of New York City. It's up in the upper New York. Um, yeah, pretty pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, you don't. I don't think you want to piss off all your neighbors. No, no, it's not worth it. And then you have to no. live with these people for the rest of the year, and they know you as the Christmas guy. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, Cam, but do they have Coldplay music blaring? <laughs> Let's talk about no, they don't. Let's talk <laughs> about this um this accident that happened in Washington State. You oh, know, yeah. I love it's if you're gonna crash, you might as well make it an amusing big one, right? This right. this crash closed a major road in both directions. It was a semi-truck carrying a load of eggs. Yeah. Oh, wow. The eggs were spread across the roadway by, roadway by this accident. Two semi-trucks were involved in this wreck. Happened right near the Raging River Bridge in Issaquah, Washington State. You know where that is. I do. <laughs> Apparently, they don't have a lot of eggs there at the Whole Foods because they're all on the road. Oh, no. What a mess to clean up. Happened at about 4 o'clock in the morning. The cleanup operations were going on even hours later. Both drivers thankfully walked away without serious injuries, but there's a lot of eggs to clean this one up. Kim, you could say that it's really going to scramble up the commute. That's really, it's a morning scramble. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Don't, you know what? You know that was said with the traffic. Oh, right. Like every area. TV station. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, let's talk about soap though. They need used a lot of soap to clean up those eggs. <laughs> to clean up those eggs. Yeah, no, this is a different story. And this one's out of Canada. We get a lot of stories out of Canada that are, are kind of cool. Um, this one is about a building in Nova Scotia that was moved. Um, it's a 220-ton Nova Scotia building. It was moved using 700 bars of soap. Weird. It's a Why? former hotel in Nova Scotia. It was moved by a construction firm with the 700 uh, bars of soap. It was built uh, as a home. Uh, you can see how the first floor looks a little different. It was a single family or a single story home built in 1826. It was converted into a Victorian hotel in 1896. So they added those second floors and it was slated for dem demolition in 2018, but was saved uh, by a sale to another property company, which announced plans to move the structure closer to the street and put it on a new foundation so it could connect to a planned apartment building. So they're going to put modern apartments, kind of build around it, right? The 220-ton okay. building was successfully moved by a crew, which shared a time-lapse video um, of them moving it back. They moved it 15 feet, then they moved it another 15 feet. Ru uh, the representative said, instead of using rollers, the team decided to use 700 bars of ivory soap, and they specified it has to be ivory soap because it's softer and it makes for a smooth move. And they were able to glide 220 tons. That's crazy. Was this some type of ivory promotion? No, this is like an old timey oh. construction guy who's like, it has to be ivory soap. It's the only one that works. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's kind of a cool story. Although I, ivory one. should get in on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They really should. It has to be the soft. It has to be the ivory. Right. Uh, let's talk about the Northern Lights. Oh, I have yeah. This pretty photos. Story. Really, really beautiful. The um, photographer of the year, 2023, the um, travel photography blog, Capture the Atlas, is publishing its sixth edition of its annual Northern Lights photographer of the year list. And so 
uh, as another solar maximum, which is a period of the greatest solar activity approaches, there has been displays, they say, at lower... Yeah, you don't want the solar minimum. You want the solar maximum. Maximum. Well, we're seeing the northern lights now in places where they don't often appear. So Wales, Germany, Italy is Dolomites, the Death Valley National Park in the U.S., a lot of places. And Is this a sign of end times? It might be. So this may be uh, why more photographers are getting in on this, uh, taking these beautiful, beautiful pictures. Oh, look at that. This first one, well, let's go back to the other one. That was by Alex Wides from Norway. It's a 300-degree panorama featuring the setting sun and the intense northern lights display. And here's what the photographer said. Embarking on a three-month journey from Italy to the great north, you anticipate witnessing incredible sights, but this trip surpassed all of my expectations. Arriving at Senja Island, we encountered the most powerful northern lights of the year, Exactly as predicted, the horizon is glowing with the light of the setting sun. In September, it sets at 11 p.m., painting the sky in vibrant shades of green, purple, and red. Yeah, that's crazy. Like when you go to Sweden, it's still light out at 10 p.m. Wow. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah, beautiful. The next one is called The Red Flame. It's by Laura Oppelt. It's the Wadden Sea National Park in Germany. And her quote is, what a crazy night it was in northern Germany on the 25th of September. Still hard to believe what I witnessed with such a strong aura showing this far south from the polar circle. Started with a faint glow on the horizon at about 10 p.m. And it intensified over time. The live view, she said, of her camera displayed the greens quite well. They weren't visible to the naked eye. Later, the reds and the pinkish purple tones emerged and the colors became clearly visible to the human eye. At a certain point, she said, everything in the sky seemed to just explode. Wow. Wow. You know what else explodes? Our our thanks for Wes with a five dollar super sticker our thanks for pinky with two dollars thank you pinky and the lady beatrice for five dollars hallucinate that's what certain people running our country appear to suffer from mm-hmm. it's that's true. what i'm talking about thanks you guys for supporting the after party live huge appreciation for you this next picture called the platform by virgil religia i don't have all the photos i don't have all the photos so um Mm. let's hopefully this is is that the right one okay Mm -hmm. yeah super pretty uh this was the um a climb they had they were climbing and so you can see they're at a higher level when they take this but that looks i mean it looks peaceful and heavenly when you look up and see those lights shooting downward really beautiful um Okay, so I don't know if there's other ones, but I don't have the next one. But if you skip one, the Arctic Dance. Here's Red Alert. Yeah, that's Red Red Alert Alert. by William Preet. It's the Dolomites in Italy. Gosh, that's so pretty. Really beautiful. And then I have Storm over Storm over Sukuk Pack. This is by Nicholas Warner from Alaska. Look at that. I don't know if you guys have ever dreamed of, of going to see the Northern Lights, but I kind of have. And maybe I think about it, and then I'm like, yeah. oh, that would be a, a lot of effort. So pretty. <laughs> like, I'll just look at the photos. 70 miles north of the Arctic Circle, Sukuk Pack is one of the most beautiful peaks in the Brooks. You got to be careful range. when you say that. Sukuk Pack? Suck it. Suck it. Suk- suk it. Sukuk Pack. I don't know. <laughs> mm. I have one more. I have the Island of Aurora. 
Island of Aurora by Kat Woman. Uh, this is taken in Wales in the UK. She said, I never expected to capture an incredible Aurora like this. Just 15 minute drive from my door. Upon reaching the location, the Aurora was exceptionally powerful. I worried that by the time I had sorted all my equipment, uh, that I might miss the main show, but I set up my tripod next to a small pool of seawater, focusing on capturing reflections. The Aurora had a slightly diminished, and then I had to endure a few rain showers, but perseverance paid off. 9.30 p.m., the huge green and pink light pillars shot right out of the sky. So pretty. Yeah, yeah. Colors of the Wind says, I'll go with you, Kim. Good, let's go see. So nice. Oh, Julie beautiful. says, one day I'm there. One day I'd like to be there with you, Julie. Yeah, it's so pretty. And so I just saw those pictures and I wanted to share them because of, you know, it's just amazing. Very, very cool. Mm. Um, do you um, do you decline invitations to go to holiday parties? Sometimes I do. Sometimes it just feels like there's so much happening around this time of the year. It can be a little overwhelming. Yeah, well, we have psychological news. Just say no. Why <laughs> declining invitations to holiday parties is actually good for you. Yeah, oh, sometimes. I like this. I like this. Mm -hmm. Saying no to a holiday party you simply have no interest in could be the best thing for your mental health. A new study from our friends finds politely declining unwanted invitations during the holiday season has a bigger positive impact than dragging yourself to countless gatherings mm -hmm. you may not want to attend in the first place. More than mm -hmm. three quarters of people in a survey confess that they will accept invitations to gatherings they don't want to go to out of fear of being judged for declining. However, researchers found that loved ones not only don't care about rejected invitations as much as people think they do, but saying no more often can be beneficial in avoiding burnout. Uh, quote, I was once invited to an event that I absolutely did not want to attend, but I attended anyways because I was nervous that the person who invited me would be upset if I did not. And that appears to be a very common experience, says Dr. Julian Givey, PhD, an assistant professor at West Virginia University in a media release. Um, our research shows, however, that the negative ramifications of saying no are much less severe than we actually expect. A team with the uh, American Psychological Association conducted five experiments involving more than 2,000 people. In one experiment, the researchers asked participants to read about a, or a fictional scenario where they were either inviting or receiving an invitation from a friend to a dinner on a Saturday night at a local restaurant hosted by a celebrity chef. The participants receiving an invitation had to imagine themselves declining the invite because they already had plans that day and wanted to spend a night relaxing at home. Those who imagined giving the invitation uh, had to think about their friend declining for the same reason. The researchers found that participants who imagined turning down their friend's invitation frequently believed it would immediately impact their relationship with that oh, person wow. in a negative way. Uh, yeah. These participants were much more likely to believe their friend would feel angry, disappointed, and they would avoid inviting them to future events. However, the group receiving the rejection rated their disappointment to be at a much lower level. So I thought that was really interesting. Across their experiments, they found consistently that inv invitees overestimate the negative ramifications. Interesting. Yeah, I always feel that too, that if I say no, that I'm not going to get invited to the next one. Yeah. Right? So I better show up. Yeah. Or maybe you just forward um, a copy of the study. Yeah. Don't be mad at me. And I love why. to, but... <laughs> but I'm not doing it. This next story I, love... I saw on uh, 60 Minutes, I think. 
So good. I love a story like this because it's just someone doing something out of generosity and kindness. Yeah. And, you know, as not like the last story where you show up because you have to, but you do something kind just for the sake of being kind. Right. This is about a man named Terry Kahn. And he worked for 30 years for the Veterans Administration. He had no immediate family. He was very frugal. Didn't spend money on extra frivolities or stuff. He lived in a very modest house house in South Indianapolis. He drove a raggedy old Honda. He refused to carry a cell phone because they he said they just cost too much. In 2021, he passed away and he didn't even want an announcement in the paper because who's going to spend money on an obit, right? But despite him being frugal, or one could say almost even cheap, he was incredibly generous. Everything was directed to charity after he passed. So oh, wow. all of his his money that he had saved over time, he didn't, though, specify what charity. So the executor of his will had to call around to see who wanted it. A dozen nonprofits took the call, and some got a share of this $13 million estate. Who? Well, if a charity was called and someone thought it was a scam or hung up on him, that's it. They, they, you know, they passed on their windfall. But the people who took the time to hear what it was about, um, they're the ones that got their share of this money for charity. That Aww. included about a million and a half for teachers' treasures that doubled their annual budget. And they say they were forever changed because of that. He was very, very generous. And his, the executor of his, his estate said he's smiling someplace. There's no doubt about it. He'd be getting a real kick out of this, out of what happened. So yeah, 13 charities take a split of this uh, $13 million. So really cool. $13 million. He thought a cell phone was too expensive? I know. That, because that's he a, didn't need that's it. That's ex but that, it's not too expensive. That's just, free. that's like, uh, it's, you didn't well, want a cell phone. Right. I mean, he, he <laughs> decided that it was an unnecessary expense for himself. Why Why uh, spend the money? And and I don't, I mean, there's something to be said for enjoying the fruits of your labor while you're alive and while you can, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't take it with you. But in this my, case. My father, my father was very frugal, but he wasn't cheap. And we've talked about the difference. Like he he spent money on other people. But he was very frugal and he didn't spend any money on himself. Mm -hmm. And while I was taking care of him, uh, while he, you know, he had cancer towards the end, and uh, he needed a Kleenex, and I went to go grab a new a Kleenex, and he said, "No, no, no, no." And he started digging around in his pajamas, and he had an old Kleenex that he like didn't really use much. And um, my dad never swore, never said anything inappropriate, but he pulls it out. And he's like, "I'm a cheap bitch." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have never laughed as hard as i did <laughs> that's really that funny i was like wow no filter no filter oh um, you know what you get your past that at that point right it's, that was mm. funny though yeah. um this story is about a watchdog calling on the u.s to ban candy um this is a um, According to DailyMail.com, the seizure of American candies in the UK should be a wake-up call for Americans about what's in their food. On Monday, footage from the UK showed workers stuffing American candy and sodas, which are found virtually in every US store, into trash bags as regulator regulators are getting mm -hmm. tough on US mm -hmm. imports. Candies like Jolly Rancher, Swedish Fish, and Lemonhead contain several additives that are legal in the US, but banned under EU and UK law due to their links to cancer, infertility, and other um, problems. The watchdog, 
Yeah, Consumer Reports said that the video should trigger a shift in food policy in the U.S. and urged officials here to do more to protect adults and children. They called for the list of food additives banned in the U.S. to be expanded to include more food dyes and chemicals outlawed in Europe years ago. Here's the thing, though. If you have alternatives, just change it, mm -hmm. right? You, you're Absolutely. making enough money, right? There's, uh, do, do we have a shortage of candy? <laughs> I guess so. The, 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 the FDA has been under increasing pressure to tighten its regulations on food additives in recent months. California outlawed four food additives. Uh, brominate, we talked about this, brominated vegetable mm -hmm. oil, potassium bromate, propyl paraben. These things don't sound like something you ought to be ingesting or giving to your kids, right? No. Red dye number three. We've got the forever chemicals. We've got the microplastics. We don't need, you know, potassium bromate in us. In us. I, went, I went through the Halloween candy this year yeah. and I took out Twizzlers and Swedish okay. fish and anything that was on this list, the hot tamales, they yeah. didn't have any of the hot tamales in there. And Jolly would, you care, would you I care if the, the color of the candy was slightly off? Like no. instead of bright red, radioactive no. red, it was just like, like a matte red. Hmm. You red care? for cancer or if it, no if it cancer tastes, and it's if it a little funky color. No. If it tastes the same, why do you right. care? I don't. I don't As know. a matter of fact, I care more that it's not laden with chemicals. Um, there is a John Oliver, uh, you know, um, was it last week tonight um, mm -hmm. on HBO or on Max? And this, the, he did an episode about the FDA versus right. the USDA. Have you have you watched it? It's so messed no. up. Mm -mm. Like the the USDA um, has a lot of um, they they have different categories of what they regulate where they overlap with the FDA, and it's really bizarre. It'll be like one item of food if it's served hot, but if it's served cold, it's the other agency, right? Mm -hmm. And the USDA is well-funded, whereas the FDA spends most of their money on drugs, and they they joke that the F in FDA doesn't really mean anything. Um, so that's really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> We're the United States, and it's like our food regulation is, is whack. It's just whack. Really whack. Another thing that is whack, to uh, take your turn... Wiggity, 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 whack. Wiggity, wiggity, is where um, when doctors give you the wrong diagnosis... And apparently yeah. this is more prevalent in some states than others, which is Happened odd. to me. Yes, it did. And then my appendix burst. Mm -hmm. So uh, we know now the worst states for medical malpractice cases. And mm. as you can see here, New York has ranked the worst state for oh, medical wow. malpractice in the country. These are places where you're most likely to get the wrong diagnosis or something bad happens. Yep. It's New York. That surprises uh, they, me in New York. I you would think pretty, it wouldn't be state, like... apparently that that's you know I don't know that's where it is so a lot of affluent people work there there's a lot of uh, live there there's a lot of money they calculated the number of cases alongside the number of doctors and other healthcare workers in each state and then they took the average to determine how many occurred for each practitioner the researchers finding new york took first place with nearly 65,000 cases of medical malpractice among 51,500 doctors pennsylvania and new jersey following very close behind not sure why this is. Uh, also then uh, followed up by Michigan and New Mexico. As far as the best or safest states, averaging just 0.15 reports of malpractice per practitioner, Alabama, apparently the safest place. So well, Eichelberg is um, saying, asking, doesn't that mean that people are just suing way more in New York? Well, you could it be that people in Alabama, you know, I hate the stereotype, but that aren't as sophisticated and aren't and are just taking it and not reporting it? 
they say population size could have led to more cases in certain states because more doctors are responsible for more patients. But it, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you have a, a Maybe point. it's all those high-priced lawyers in New York. That's right. Getting with it their, on uh, the... Uh, with their billboards. Injury lawsuits, right. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, reports of medical malpractice have fallen decade on decade. Between 2001 and 2010, the average annual total of medical malpractice payment reports was 16,182. That fell to 11,906 for the subsequent decade. But the East Coast appears to be the most dangerous region for medical patients, with six of the 10 states in the study having a shoreline along the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, um, California didn't even crack the top 10 list. I don't see that actual number, but it didn't make it in the top 10. No, not even. So Um, We also have a lot of injury attorneys, so. They say uh, they think it's due to population size, so. Yeah, well, we have a huge population, too, so. We do. Something something else going on, too. Interesting. Um, Well, on on that note, maybe it's time to take a break. Is it time to take a little break? When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the secrets of Area 51. Uh, There's a metallic egg-shaped UFO at play, and we'll tell you more about that. Also, a little more uh, detail about the nacho cheese-flavored booze that is being sold. uh, sold. Yes, we'll do some entertainment news, and then uh, we'll talk about how you can download your driver's license on your phone before you travel this holiday season. All of that is coming up next on The After Party Live. So if you need to wash your hands, this is the perfect opportunity. Here we go. That's right. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a-rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Humongous thanks to our ongoing contributor, Susan S. Big, big thank you. Ongoing contributors are just the backbone of the show. So please check out the PayPal link in the show description if you would like to help us keep this show rolling. Doug with a $5 super sticker. Thank you, Doug. And love to you. Thank you so much. The Lady Beatrice hallucinations yes we appreciate that so much thank you the lady beatrice pinky dollar a day pinky ups it thank to you, two dollar a day pinky. So thank you for the super sticker and west for five dollars thank so you grateful for your ongoing support of the show west thank you so much really really nice yes yes all yes, right yes, let's best. move right in to uh the the metallic egg-shaped ufo is this you know real? you know i love me a ufo the story. aliens in the egg or what's going now, on now this that? this photo is ai generated okay oh, so that's that's okay. a disclosure here um but the secrets of area 51 a metallic egg-shaped ufo the size of an suv was kept at the highly <laughs> classified air force base in the 1980s according to a whistleblower eric Tabor, mm-hmm. a defense aerospace contractor she's already downing for 13 years uh, told of an egg-shaped metallic uh, UFO kept there in the 80s. He revealed the story to his late great-uncle, Sam Urquitt. Or he, I'm sorry, he revealed the story his late great-uncle, Sam Urquitt. Um, an Area 51 contractor told him about the UFO at the mysterious desert base. Tabor just testified in May to the Pentagon's UFO investigation unit, who are collecting accounts of alleged 
a government possession of non-human craft, at least they're looking into it. I think it's worth looking into, right? Because we don't mm. know, are they spy craft, right? Is it, is it China with a balloon? Like, I think it's worth investigating, don't you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a metallic egg-shaped UFO the size what, of But SUV. what if it is real? What if it is real? Don't you want to know what it is? Yes and no, but I guess I just, it sounds too unbelievable to me. Engineers at the Nevada Air Base claimed that the CIA found the strange craft in the desert and brought it to them for investigation, but later shipped it to another base after they were unable to get inside. Um, Eric Tabor has been a defense aerospace contractor for 13 years, and he's held a security clearance to work on military aircraft. You don't just get in... You know, you don't just get in as an aerospace contractor to work with a security clearance, right? You, you, you are vetted, right? These are, not, these are not wackos. In an interview with Daily Mail, he revealed the story to his late great uncle. Um, that oh, Sorry, the story that his great... <laughs> did that twice. <laughs> that his late great uncle told him. Um, and it looks like... They, it looks like a, these look like credible people to me. Don't they look, they look like... Yeah, they, come they, from look, regular, they come from regular stock. Sure, I would say so. Um, yeah. Tabor testified in May to the Pentagon's UFO investigation unit, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. Yeah, Arrow, who's uh, they're collecting the accounts of the alleged possession. Uh, the claim, though un from an unverified story from a now deceased witness, is part of a long history of rumors about potential extraterrestrial craft or futuristic spaceships stored at the Nevada Desert Air Base near Groom Lake. The the guy worked there, right? And this isn't one story. Mm -hmm. These are numerous stories from people who worked at places. We've had we had uh, we had Air Force pilots. Air Force pilots are credible people. They've all said there are things in the sky that they cannot explain. Right. So it may not be a UFO, but there's something. Right. There's something that should be explained. I think, uh, even mm -hmm. if it's just for science. The news comes after. I'm not going to convince Kim. The news comes after <laughs> whistleblowers told Congress that the government has a secret program to capture crashed or landed non-human vehicles and has for decades been attempting to glean technological insights from these alleged out-of-this-world objects. And if there was an UFO, right, that it would be, I mean, it is cr uh, plausible that the U.S. government would want to try to figure out the technology, right? If they told China, if they told Russia, you know, they, they would have them trying to get the technology on, you know, their hands on the technology, right? Right. Um, the claims have prompted lawmakers to draft legislation to disclose any such programs currently working its way through Congress. Um, he said that the, he had struck up a friendship with his grandmother's brother after moving to the West Coast from Mississippi in 2012. The younger engineer said he repeatedly quizzed his great uncle on the truth about the rumors of aliens and was always brushed off. But one day he finally relented. He served in the Air Force for 28 years. Again, E rank, or I'm sorry, E eight rank, equivalent to a first sergeant. Mm -hmm. uh, he told me he worked at Area 51 from 1997 until 2014. Um, he was working with a defense contractor. Uh, he was head of security for the engineering group and a data configure specialist. There's something going on, Kim. There's something going on. It may not be know. little green men, like I've said, but mm -hmm. there's something going on. There's just too many stories involving credible people. Big thanks to Alnonymous with the $5. What? Aloha, bitches, he writes. Yes, indeed. Aloha to you too, Alnonymous. Thank you for supporting the show. <laughs> John Watson. This new booze. Now we have some booze yeah, money. Look John at John Daly. Watson's comment. Comment. How much did How this much uncle did drink? This uncle drink. He apparently drank some drank some nacho cheese flavored alcohol. Mm hmm. Doritos is now taking their chips to the alcohol aisle. I'm suspicious oh, no. of everything and everyone. That's Are you true. suspicious of Doritos alcohol? 
I am suspicious of it. This uh, brand owned by PepsiCo is releasing a new spirit, and it's all based on the Doritos nacho cheese flavor. They use the chips to make the booze. So there's real what? chips in them there, booze. Yeah, they do. But the they chips aren't it, real. They're made from like artificial flavoring. Mm-hmm. They say it tastes just like the real thing. The chip maker partnered with Empirical, which is a Danish company known for making custom spirits with very creative flavors. This is only available online. So I guess if you have a Dorito lover in your life, it's a great holiday gift. It's $65 a bottle. Crazy. Oh, man. Karen says, yuck. It's yucky to me, too. Limited edition, though. So people will will want it because of that. Right. Goes on sale today in New York and California, $65 for a 750 ml bottle. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. Pauline says no, 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 no. The goal of these products, of course, is to pique customers' curiosity, spark conversation, and increase brand recognition. In other words, it's a marketing industry ploy disguised as a product for sale. Don't expect this to boost Pepsi's bottom line. No, They're it's not a, really going to make a lot stunt. of money off. It's a marketing ploy. Because they know that it's going to be covered in the media, which I guess technically we we uh, we classify, or we, uh, we can be considered media, right? We Eric says, I can safely say this is a new booze. I have zero temptation to try. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that... What marvels are brought to us thanks to late-stage capitalism? No, thank you. Well, maybe, you know, if you're skeptical about the UFO, just drink a little Doritos red liquor and uh, see what, mm-hmm. see if you change your mind. Let's get to some entertainment news because Jimmy Kimmel is kind of cracking down on George Santos a bit. Yeah, and um, yeah, if you can imagine, <laughs> this is Jimmy Kimmel's, mm-hmm. can you imagine if I get sued by George Santos for fraud, how good would that be? It would be like a dream come true. Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> says George Santos is demanding $20,000 for showing late night cameos or showing cameos on his late night show. Um, Cause you know, he's selling, he's selling uh, his cameos. Um, yeah. He thinks he's going to be a big time star. Right. And I kind of predicted this. I said, we're going to move him from the yeah. political category to the entertainment category. Right. And there he is right on schedule. Forget cameo request disgraced former Congressman George Santos now asking for more. The Jimmy Kimmel Live host shared on Monday night that uh, Santos had demanded Kimmel pay him 20000 for several of the cameos on the late night talk show. Santos has claimed that he's made more money in seven days than he did in Congress for a year. And part of that money came from me. This is Kimmel. I mm-hmm. sent him a bunch of crazy video requests because I wanted to see what he would read and what he wouldn't. I'd showed some of them on air on Thursday, and now he's demanding $20,000 to pay a commercial rate. The host added, can you imagine if I get sued for fraud? How good would that be? It would be like a dream come true. <laughs> Since Santos has been expelled from the house um, earlier this month, he has been using the extra time on his hands to film cameo videos for people, and they've been making their rounds on social media. Uh, last week, Kimmel decided to join in and anonymously submit his own request, and apparently he asked for a lot of videos, right? And then they started a segment called Will Santos Say It? Uh, the late night host also <laughs> noted that since Santos' cameos were shown on Jimmy Kimmel Live, the former congressman has increased his rate to $500. So he's actually helping him out, right? Yeah. Kimmel, Kimmel says he should be thanking me for buying these videos. But Santos' latest demands aren't stopping Kimmel anytime soon. He said the host has a huge stockpile of cameo videos and proceeded to show two more on Monday's show. I think oh, that's, that's so funny. Oh, that's great. And it, it's the, the irony of being uh, you know, sued for fraud by the, an alleged fraudster. 
When the reality is, it's keeping him relevant. Right? Mm-hmm. It truly is. Denzel in the news? Denzel talking about him being cast as Hannibal in this new Netflix spell, uh, film. And there, and and I don't mean Hannibal like Hannibal Lecter. No. Right. Um, I mean a different type of Hannibal. The uh, Carthaginian general Hannibal in this upcoming Netflix film. And of course, Denzel Washington is African-American. And it has sparked this big heated debate in Tunisia, which that's the, you, you were explaining that in case you're uh, listening to the podcast and have lived under a rock for 40 years. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Well, also it's it's relevant. Hannibal, <laughs> the, the historical character, was born in Carthage near modern day Tunis, Tunisia, considered okay. by many to be one of history's greatest military leaders. During the war against the Romans in 218 BC, he led his troops and African war elephants across a high pass in the Alps to strike at Rome from the north. For 15 years, he ravaged the land and the people, but never managed to take Rome. He was eventually forced back to North Africa. Hannibal's skin color is not known, but historians think he was likely of Phoenician descent. It's a region encompassing modern Lebanon and Syria. Right. So he did live during a time of great empires intermixing. But the issue of race is really big in Tunisia. They're talking a lot about it for other reasons. And now, because someone from their region, born in their region, is being played by a black actor, there's a big, you know, people are having a big problem with this. So they are calling on Netflix to cancel their pseudo documentary. They're calling on the Ministry of Culture to take action. But they they say they don't know his skin color. So it doesn't seem relevant. They're calling on um, the Ministry of Culture to take action against the attempt to steal our history. So, well, again, yeah. they said they don't know the color of their, his skin. So, mm-hmm. that seems a little racist to me. I mean, I don't know. I, you wouldn't have a problem if he was white or lighter skinned. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to them. I guess right? I mean, if I'm from Tunisia, then I want someone who looks like a Tunisian. But they said that he was it. from. Didn't you say he was from like the Lebanon area? Yeah. So he probably looked more like me. In a, like me. in a time where there was more of a mixing of ethnicities going yeah, on. Yeah, and they don't know. So move on. .com. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they call it a, a the casting a great historical error. I think people get too upset about this kind yeah, of stuff. Yes, again, they said they didn't know the skin color, so it's not an error. They don't it's know. a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. We you had no problem with everyone being cast as white in the past, right? <laughs> Throughout it history, affect your life like it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, if you want to watch uh, diverse entertainment choices, yeah. Lost. Were you a big fan of Lost? I liked it at the beginning. I, I liked it at the beginning. It did go off yeah. the rails, but it kind of sucked because mm. I really liked it and I really liked the characters and I liked the whole right. mythology of the show. Right. It's just too bad they didn't plan the ending. Um, mm-hmm. And then they tried to like make it confusing, so they were like, "Oh wow, man, that's deep. I don't really understand it." No. Lost, white collar, and this is us heading to Netflix in a new deal with Disney. This is big news. Uh, Disney has not been, you know, um, hot about sharing their content, and now they have a new deal uh, between Disney and Netflix. The entirety of Grey's Anatomy will also be available to stream on Disney's uh, new one app experience. Um, the two major developments are set to take place in stre- uh, these are two major developments taking place in the streaming world. The entirety of Grey's Anatomy, like I said, will be on Disney's new one app experience. And Netflix has secured the streaming rights to 14 beloved uh, 
library titles from Disney, including Lost, White Collar, ESPN's 30 for 30. Starting in the spring, Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix will share domestic streaming rights for the ABC medical drama's previous 19 seasons, but those prior seasons will continue to be available to stream on Netflix as part of this new licensing deal between Netflix and Disney, which also includes other shows from the competing streamer. An insider familiar with the arrangement told The Wrap that the deal between the two companies has not been signed. However, in its current state, it will give the streaming giant licensing access to series uh, such as This Is Us and The Wonder Years. When combined, Hulu and Disney app, um, Disney Plus app, debut in, uh, they're going to combine in March, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, following a beta launch in December, all Graves and Anatomy's uh, episodes will be available. New episodes of season 20 will premiere on Hulu and the day after their ABC launch. So this is kind of a big deal that they're, these companies are starting to realize like we need to work with each other. Um, mm-hmm. People are not interested in buying every single streaming service, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And they need too to expand much. their viewership. It's too much. Yeah. So people um, are paying too much for everything. It's everything, too... including this couple who moved to Ecuador because nice they transition. Said they had to get out of this hamster wheel of expensiveness in the United States. Oh, yeah. And now they say they are aging in reverse after escaping the toxic hamster wheel culture in the United States. Really? I mean, I, I want to wish people well when they check out and go somewhere else. That's fine. I don't hold it against you. Aging in reverse? Mm, I don't know. Wow, judgy, Kim. This middle you, don't, you don't know what they look like before this. That's true. This middle-aged couple gave up their house and their jobs to move to Ecuador. They say they even lost 50 pounds after escaping the United States. And they're not alone. About 9 million Americans currently live abroad. And that is up from 6.8 million in 2013. The reason most people leave? House prices, inflation, and debt. That is causing most people to check out and look for a lower cost of living and a higher quality of life somewhere else. In October, a poll found only 36% of Americans still believe in the American dream, which is basically if you work harder, you'll get ahead. It's not so many people believe in that anymore. Half of Americans believe the economic and political systems in the country are stacked against normal, regular people, and that life is worse for people like them now than it was 50 years ago. Instead, (sighs) hundreds of people, particularly older and younger, are choosing to move abroad in search of a better life. And there are even people that now have businesses to help you move abroad. So this pair... They say they were doing the American dream in Colorado before they left. They had the house. They had the two cars. They had the mortgage. She was out on the road four days a week for her regional sales job. He worked from home as a website designer. It left them very little time to see each other or friends or anything else. It was stressful. It was draining. Felt like his whole life was just about his job. He said, I wanted to live my life, but I didn't know what to do. It's kind of the American way of life. Be available 24-7, and that's it. They were earning about $8,000 a month between the two of them. But after they paid their mortgage and student loans and living expenses, they were left with nothing. $8,000 a month seems like a lot. And then you get to the end, and it just goes up, poof, just like that. He then got sick. And when he had a back injury and had to have a couple of spine surgeries, he couldn't work, had a year of recovery, and then they couldn't afford the house or the cars anymore. And so they had to let it go. 
That's done. Well, we have some people in the chat who are worried that we're not going to get to the mind reading helmet. We will. Eric S. saying, don't forget the mind helmet, guys. Oh. You're getting close to the end of the show. We have about 10 minutes okay. left. And Gordon, you're going to talk about the brain helmet. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> and the brain helmet is a popular topic. So <laughs> Apparently. People, they considered a second mortgage, but they didn't want to get into more debt. So they took faith, uh, a leap of faith, and moved to Quinsa in Ecuador. And it has changed their life completely. They said, we were able to spend our time together. We've paid off our debt. We're able to save for retirement. We don't set an alarm in the morning. We wake up when we wake up. We cook together. We've lost weight. We're healthier. Their cost of living has dropped substantially. So good for them. Go get it in Ecuador. Very cool. Um, yeah. This next story, quickly, quickly, John. California travelers are encouraged to download their uh, driver's license on their phone before flying this holiday season. With Christmas less than two weeks away, the TSA is bracing for an estimated 1.4 million travelers to be screened across Bay Area airports. So they're making sure that end-of-year travel goes smoothly for everyone in the coming weeks. They say they're expecting their busiest days on both Thursday and Friday of next week. With Christmas less than two weeks away, the TSA... I just read that. Uh, when we're talking about peak volumes, we know that we need to make it as efficient as possible. Um, for those with a California driver's license, the TSA is encouraging travelers to download the California DMV wallet, then download your mobile ID and select checkpoints at SFO, SJC, and LAX, uh, where you can now use your mobile ID for identity identity verification instead of your physical driver's license. I don't see this as a big problem. Like, I mean, it's good to have as a backup, but don't you have your driver's mm -hmm. license on you already? How long does it take to pull out your driver's license? Well, I mean, mine's ready, so... I have it in a very accessible place, but sometimes people get to the end of the line and they say, okay, license and ticket, right? right. You need to see your boarding pass and your license, your driver's Did license. Do you think those clueless people are going to be faster getting it off their phone? And then they're rolling around. Well, they already have their phone in their hand. Yeah, so, right, they're going to be like, click. Oh, I got to put in the password. Hold on. Hold on. It's all an effort to get the lines to move faster. So yeah, I it's not going to. It's not going to. It's not going to happen. I don't know. And then they got to take their shoes off, and they're oh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's talk about helmets now. The long-awaited <laughs> and clamored-for helmet story. It yes, kind of yeah. looks like a little fed, little feather sticking out of a cap, but no. This is revolutionary technology. We've never seen anything like this. We haven't. It is the world's first mind-reading helmet. It translates brainwaves into words. Yes, it does. Um, this it works using sensor-covered, the sensor-covered helmet that looks at specific electrical activity in the brain. As you think it translates into words on a screen. This technology comes from the University of Technology, Sydney. They think it could revolutionize care for patients who have become mute because of stroke or paralysis. I can't even imagine how frustrating it would be to think all the thoughts that I normally do, but not be able to speak them because your ability yeah. to communicate is cut, even though your ability to think and react and, uh, and, and have all these, you know, intelligent thoughts rolling around your, your brain. And all you want to do is order a cappuccino like you see on the screen here. Good afternoon. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. I'll start with a cappuccino, please, with an extra shot of espresso. Yeah. They have funny. their priorities down. They, um, they have this demonstration, which you're seeing here. The video shows a human subject thinking about a sentence shown on the screen, which then switched to what the AI model decoded. The results are 
just about a perfect match. The team thinks this innovation will allow seamless control of devices like bionic limbs and robots, allowing humans to give directions just by thinking about it. Really cool. The research represents a pioneering effort in translating raw EEG waves directly into language. It is a significant breakthrough in this field. It is the first uh, incorporation of discrete encoding techniques in the brain to text translation process, introducing an innovative approach to neural decoding. This integration, according to researchers with large language models, is opening new frontiers in neuroscience and in AI. Previously, they could translate brain signals, uh, efforts to, to translate brain signals into language either required surgery to implant electrodes in the brain, like Elon Musk's Neuralink, or scanning mm -hmm. in an MRI machine, which is really expensive, difficult to use in everyday life. But this new technology uses a simple helmet on top of the head to read what that person is thinking. So if this is groundbreaking technology, does that make Elon Musk's Neuralink defunct? Um. Well, it sounds like it's going to have different limitations, probably, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. But I guess we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think Elon Musk is going to stop uh, experimenting on animals. It's really sad. Oh, unfortunately. So here's how accurate this thing is. The translation accuracy score is about 40%, but it's continuing to work that uh, to boost it to 90%. So you're not so always going to get your coffee order right. Not always going to get it right, but they're. I doing said an extra shot of espresso, and then you'll have a, a mind. Re you'll have a mind reading, Karen. I mean, the helmet knows what you're thinking forty percent of the time, yeah. and it's only getting better and better as they get better at coding it. Right. Yeah. Until the I AI mean, decides to like change what it, what it translates for you, like, nah, that's not what you need. Does it ever get to the point where? You know, like those scary sci-fi movies where the government knows your thoughts. Yeah, you have a coffee know. problem. I like it in a in a medical capacity where you know it's helping people that can't communicate. Right. I don't like the thought of this technology being used someday to track down exactly what people are thinking and yeah. doing and uh, and controlling society with that. No, thank you. Well, I hope everyone's happy that we got to that story. We have a few more minutes, so I want to mm -hmm. uh, quickly do this story because I find this poll ridiculous. As I mean, as this photo is also ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like she has a, a screwdriver there to put together those boxes. A poll says that an average American should be able to afford a dream home by the age of thirty-three and retire by forty-four. <laughs> wow, I am way behind. Uh, we're seeing a lot of research. These days, emphasizing how more of America's young adults still rely on their parents financially well into their 20s. Yet, according to a new poll of 2,000 adults, uh, Americans believe the average person should be able to afford their dream home by age 33. Yeah, right. I mean, maybe and in the Midwest, in the South. What la -la land are they living? And Come if that on. you think that's wild, the age at which people think retirement becomes attainable is two decades earlier than the standard. The surprising mm -hmm. results reveal that aside from their ideal house, the average person should also be able to afford a car by 26. That, that's reasonable. Along with their starter home and a child by age 30. That's, you know, maybe, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, if you're married. After that, Americans oh. should have enough money to have a second or third kid by 32. Uh, and it's shockingly retire by age 44. That's just a joke. Many are making moves towards that goal with more than half, 51% of those polled say 
say that retirement is their uh, top goal. It's good to have a goal, but I don't think that's realistic to you. No, that's not realistic at all. And plus, you know, a study like this comes out and then it's like, oh, we're supposed to do this by this age and this by this age. And then yeah. if you don't meet those goals, you somehow feel like you failed. I have enough well, pressure. You know, Leave me alone. Exactly. It's too much. It's too much. And no, the goals aren't realistic. That's a ridiculous story. Um, I kind of want to, uh, kind of want you to do this next or a quick, uh, Quickly, we can end with this. This mm. Amazon story. Amazon is selling creepy hidden spy cameras what? disguised as very boring ho hum home accessories. Mm. Right. I mean, what, you know, way to help the guys that spy on you in the bathroom. What looks like a very dull home accessory is, in fact, concealing a hidden spy camera. Recording devices are built into clothes hooks, which oh, at geez. first glance appear to be eh, nothing more than something you would hang your jacket. This is or your every towel. pervert's dream. It is, but a quick search on Amazon brings up multiple variations of hidden cameras built into clothes hooks. Many of these products available described as being for security, anti-theft, and evidence collection purposes. Hidden in every corner, no matter where it is, uh, it won't attract attention, one says. Just last month, a man was shocked to find a creepy webcam nestled into a sofa at an Airbnb. Dozens of different spy cameras are another still reason, up to sale Another on reason Amazon. I, I don't like Airbnb. I don't like the whole concept. Well, the, some companies are being sued over these cameras because they don't even look like cameras anymore. Yeah. A judge in the United States recently ruled that Amazon is going to be hauled to court after a woman claimed she was secretly filmed in a bathroom by a clothes hook camera that was purchased on Amazon. She said she was staying at a home in West Virginia as an exchange student when she noticed the host's motion-activated spy camera this was in August of 2021. And she says she was a child at the time. And the man accused of recording her is now facing trial. Amazon, according to this court complaint, approved the camera for sale and approved the camera's product description. The description shows the camera served as a towel hook with a caption, it won't attract any attention, a very ordinary hook. Well, who do you think is going to buy it? What John do you says, think yes, it's made for happen? perverts and intelligence agencies. Same totally. thing. Totally. No. You know how you solve this problem? You install it somewhere that Bezos is staying with uh, his wife. <laughs> yeah. But look at that. that look at that. Anything? Look at the black. Look at the black hook on the bottom left. You're not going to you're not going to look at that. I would you never know? realize. Mm -mm. No. The lawsuit says that the use of this camera, it was foreseeable to Amazon. They should have been able to see it coming and they want punitive damage. Uh, against Amazon and the company that sold this product. So when uh, I guess they did a search, the researchers did a search for these cameras, at least five different items fitted with cameras were available on Amazon. So it makes you think you got to be careful when you go to some place like, you know, yeah. look around. What does it look like? Do you see a little red light come on? I don't know. There's so many weird stories with Airbnb. I'm just so turned off by that idea. They yeah. have um, other items that can conceal cameras other than the wall hooks, wall clocks, alarm clocks, USB chargers, smoke alarms, that seems normal, and pens. All of these can have little cameras in them. Mm -hmm. Do they have any teddy bears? You got to watch out if you see like teddy bears. No teddy bears. Like no creepy cam. teddy bears. Yeah. No, Good. no, no, no. Well, that's that's our uh, show for Wednesday. Did you like it? I loved it. I think it was good. I really liked it. I liked it, it a lot. Story.
yeah, liked it a lot. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. We want to thank the Lady yeah. Beatrice for four ninety nine. Pinky, two dollars. Wes, five dollars. Yeah. Doug, five dollars. Al, anonymous, five dollars. Aloha, bitches. And we have our uh, ongoing contributor, Susan S. Without you guys, this show would not exist. Uh, We're a very low budget. uh, I I think I can. I think I can. I think I can show. It might uh, not seem like a lot, $5 here and there, but it really means a lot. If everybody who watched the show uh, gave $5, we would be able to do this uh, into the future without any problems. Click the like button on your way out. If you could click subscribe, if you haven't already, we'd love you to do that. Share the show. Share a shore. Help free, us free, uh, free. expand the audience, yep. and then we'll keep yep. it going here every day. Right back here tomorrow on the after party uh, live. I hope you guys have a really, really good afternoon. Have a great one, John Daly. You too, Kim. Bye bye.